Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So we are on to week two of our practices for unhurrying our lives. And this week we're thinking about slowing. Again, to reiterate, these are practices. In other words, we are practicing. Uh, We're giving it a go. We're working out what might be right for us, what we might need to focus on uh, for the sake of the soul, for the sake of our spiritual formation and to deepen our relationship with the Father in heaven. Did you know it takes 100 days to form a new habit? So this isn't a quick process. If you're wanting to make changes, you need to give it time. But doing something is always going to be better than doing nothing. And so I hope that through this series, you're able to even make some tiny tweaks that will help you to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're thinking about slowing this morning. We've had an enforced slowing, haven't we, over the last three months. Even if our days are busier, uh, the fact that we haven't been able to go anywhere, the fact that we have been confined to our homes has meant that we have slowed. However, an enforced slowing against a backdrop of uncertainty, anxiety, virus and fear is never going to do for us what adopting slowing as a spiritual or life discipline will do for us. And so today we're going to be thinking about slowing as a spiritual discipline. So the first thing to say, and this may not be what uh, a speaker should say at the beginning of a talk, is that this is not something that I am good at. My brain is generally going 10 to the dozen. I flit, I'm constantly planning, I'm constantly working out what needs to be done next. I'm looking around to see what needs to happen. I'm working out how to do things the most efficient way and how to get places the quickest. I don't want to waste time. I'm always on to the next thing. And I really hate duvet days. Having said that, I'm also a coach. And to be a good coach, you need to be able to still and slow your mind so that you can listen deeply. Before a coaching session, I sit, I breathe, I uh, let my mind settle so that I can be fully present for my client. If my brain is flitting and distracted, I won't notice what isn't being said. I won't notice the subtlety and the nuances in the conversation, the body language or the metaphors, what the person isn't saying. I won't know how to direct the conversation and I won't know what powerful questions to ask. Ultimately, I won't hear clearly. All of which needs to happen in order that we deepen our understanding and grow. So this slowing and stilling enables me to be present and to hear clearly. Should slowing become a discipline? Why do we need to slow? And what are the benefits to our spiritual lives and our relationship with God? In our culture and society, we suffer what some call a poverty of attention, In other words, our attention span has become so limited due to the way that we are bombarded by information. Herbert Simon, a polymath, who won the Nobel Prize for economics in 1971, not so long ago, saw our attentional crisis coming. He said this, what information consumes is rather obvious. It consumes the attention 
of its recipients. Hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. We are bombarded by information. In our work, we're bombarded by emails. In, in uh, life, we are bombarded by social media, by news flashes, by text messages, by communication that is instant. And this can cause us to feel that we need to be constantly responding and constantly reacting. It's not necessarily by choice, but many of us live in the reactive zone where demands and pressures on us come from all directions. Interactions and attention levels to a project or a person end up being shallow, inefficient, impulsive and short-sighted because we just don't have the time or space to give things our full attention. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says this, we are not just brains on legs. We are whole people holistic, integrated, complex, and full of energy. So he goes on to argue, as we are Jesus apprentices, we need to recognize this needs to be a whole person endeavor, mind and body. If we can slow down both our mind and our bodies, perhaps then we will be able to slow down the soul to a pace that gives us the chance to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so this morning, I've got three things for you that I believe slowing does for us. The first thing is this, slowing builds strength. I've been exercising at home during lockdown using YouTube videos. The number of times the instructor says, go slow, think about body mechanics. It's the only way to build strength. It kills me. But I'm learning that the, the tough way, that if I want to build strength, I need to move slowly. I need to hold the move and I need to be measured in my approach so as not to hurt myself. If you want to build cardio fitness, then it's more about speed and change. If we want to strengthen our relationship with Jesus, or indeed with anyone, it's good practice to slow down. Jesus walks everywhere, yet he didn't have much choice, I realise that. The average walking pace is three miles an hour. His disciples would have walked everywhere with him, walking and talking, learning and strengthening, listening and growing. It's not rocket science, but investing time by slowing is going to accelerate our discipleship journey and build strength into that relationship. The second thing is that slowing builds attention. I've got some bad news for you today. We cannot multitask. We can't. It can't be done. But we, we, we think we can but we can't. We cannot give our full attention to more than one thing at a time. Our brains are just not wired for it. So what happens when we try? We miss things, we don't listen, we don't hear properly, and we're in danger of doing nothing very well. Walter Brueggemann says this, multitasking is the drive to be more than we are, to control more than we do, to extend our power and our effectiveness. Such practices yield a divided self with full attention given to nothing. Over the years, I have missed so much because when the girls have been talking to me or when Paul said something to me, I've been invariably doing something else, 
getting the tea ready, getting distracted by Facebook or a text message that's just come in. This damages relationships. We don't like to admit it, but it does. Paul and the girls have often said to me, we've told you this so many times and I've just missed it because I've not been paying attention. I might tell myself that it's because I've got so many different things on my mind that I just can't hold all this information. But the reality is, invariably, I was multitasking at the time that they were talking to me and it just doesn't work. When I'm writing a talk about slowing or prepping for a presentation, I can't do it if I'm constantly distracted by my emails. My brain needs the space to move from left to right. It needs to move from doing to creating. It's not a myth, it's science, it's how we're wired. So why do we make it so hard for ourselves? By allowing constant distraction and the need for speed in all things. In our relationship with Jesus, if, like me, you sit down to spend some intentional time with him and react to the first text that comes in, that's going to break the rhythm of that time. And immediately your brain has moved from being able to think deeply to reacting. We lose something. So switching things off, developing some rules and boundaries around when we give our attention to what task will help our brains function more fully, more effectively, and enable us to deepen and develop a more wholesome relationship with Jesus Christ and with those that we are closest to. Give yourself a break. And the third thing is this, that slowing builds wisdom. Given the way that our brains are designed, we actually learn less well when we're presented with a lot of information. We do far better when it's delivered in spaced, uh, intimately, spaced cycles where it's intermittently fed to us because that gives us time to absorb the information and commit it to our long-term memory. If we're going to really get to grips with being Jesus' disciples, the same rules surely apply. Allow yourself the time to learn. We learn in so many different ways, don't we? Give yourself the time to reflect on experiences, absorb scriptures deeply and hear his still small voice. Isaiah 28, 23 says this, listen to me, listen and pay close attention. If we don't slow down enough to take the time to listen, we won't get wise, we won't grow in our discipleship and our relationship with God. Slowing enough to do these things can be so hard, but the consequences of not is not healthy either. We can do small things to help make big differences. John Mark Comer, in his book, has a list of 20 rules that he has employed to help him slow his life. Now, that may not be your thing, but building an intention of slowing down into our days or into our week or even just into our month begins to help us rewire our frazzled minds and bodies. It will prove to us that we can do it, and it will prove to us that it does make a difference. So how about turning your phone off for an hour once a week, 
or joining the longest queue in the supermarket instead of being driven by hurry and spending needless energy working out which is the quickest and then getting angry because you've actually joined the line with the slowest trolley unpacker in it in the world. And now the guy that you were mentally competing with in that other queue is ahead of you in the queue. It's exhausting. I do it all the time. Join the longer, slower, shorter queue just occasionally. Ultimately, what we're talking about in all of this is about abiding. It's being able to abide in Christ, to abide in that apprenticeship that we signed up to when we chose to follow him. And if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet and you're watching this, slowing is still a great well-being thing to do and it will help you connect with your soul. I read a great definition of abiding as I was preparing for this. It says this, to abide is to experience restful residence and a desperate dependence on Christ. We're not earning our salvation by abiding in him. We're responding to who we are in him and that changes how we walk. That changes how we walk. As I said at the beginning, these are practices. In other words, we're practicing. So my challenge to you is this. Can you think of one thing that you could do to slow down? One practice that you could put in place this week over the summer. I'm going to put some boundaries in around my phone so that I am not as reliant on it and not as reactive to it. Can you put one rule or boundary in place? to help you to slow. And then notice the difference that it makes. Depend and rest in Christ and see how that changes the way you walk. Slowing builds strength. Slowing builds attention. And slowing builds wisdom. So that we learn to abide. And as Brother Lawrence puts it, Practice the presence of God because it takes practice to live from attention and awareness, especially in the modern world where we are bombarded by information and distraction. To finish, let me just read that definition of what it is to abide again. To abide is to experience restful residence and a desperate dependence on Christ. We are not earning our salvation by abiding in him. We are responding to who we are in him and that changes how we walk. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for everyone that might be watching this, that you would enable them to slow and to learn what it means to abide in you. To be able to practice in whatever small way so that they can develop a deeper, so that we can all develop a deeper relationship with you. So that our apprenticeship and our discipleship deepens and strengthens and grows. Lord God, help us to notice when we are being distracted and help us to focus our minds and our eyes on you.
the giver of life. In Jesus' name, Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.